0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. So happy to be with you this morning on this Friday, July 1st. There is a lot that we, uh, you know, I, I would probably say there's a lot that could be said today. Uh, In actuality, there's a lot that's going to be said today. I want to let you know right off the bat, we're going to have an extended edition of Roadmap to Heaven this morning. We're going to be going an hour and a half. So uh, we've got a lot for you today, a lot to talk about, a lot to celebrate. But before we get to any of that, we do need to pray this morning. It's the most important thing we're going to do this morning is pray. It is the first Friday of the month of July, and so we will attend to our first Friday prayers. We also bear in mind that July is the month of the Precious Blood. Today is one of my favorite feast days. You're going to hear a lot about it. I'm sure Mike Roberts is going to talk about it. We've actually got an interview later about this, but today's the Feast of St. Junipero Serra, so we also pray for vocations today. And uh, we get ready for tomorrow's first Saturday devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And what I really love about this is we're not even a week removed uh, from the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, which was last week, Friday, and the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which fell on Saturday. So a lot of things coming together um, for our prayer intentions this morning. So let's get to it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen, amen, O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world and reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before you eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject mindful alas that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts we humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation not only for our own personal offenses but also for the sins of those Who strain far from the path of salvation refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you, their shepherd and leader, or renouncing the promises of their baptism have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, For the frequent violations of sundays and holy days and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints we wish also to make amends for the insults which your vicar on earth and your priests are subjected for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love and lastly for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church which you have founded Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor, the satisfaction you once made to your eternal father on the cross and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your virgin mother and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth. And we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can with the help of your grace for all neglect of your great love and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we will live a life of unswerving faith, of purity, of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model in reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance keep us faithful unto death in our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, so that we may all one day come to that happy home where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, God, for ever and ever. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we're going to be talking with Mike Downey, president of Sarah USA. I I look forward to this conversation to share with you the good work that Sarans are doing across this country for vocations. Also in the show today, we're going to be joined by Father Zach Edgar as we weigh that, uh, that decision we have this weekend. Do we celebrate our Catholicism over our patriotism our patriotism over our catholicism are the two even compatible are they incompatible you know i've heard lots of different things over the year but father edgar and i are going to discuss this and talk about the right order of things and what that means for us we're also going to take a look at the meaning of freedom today we've got some words for you on that that we will be sharing and we're also going to get ready for tomorrow's first saturday devotion to the immaculate heart of mary now here's the beautiful thing as part of our First Friday devotion, what do we do? We go to Mass. We pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart, which we just did. For First Saturday, we go to Mass. We, you know, In both of these cases, we receive Holy Communion. And then tomorrow we pray the Rosary and we meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the Rosary. But more specifically, included in that devotion on Saturday, the Blessed Mother asks us to make a good confession. Now, this is a great anchor point for us, because while the church precepts say that we are only obliged to confess mortal sins once a year during the Easter season and to receive Holy Communion during the Easter season, which, of course, you have to be in that state of grace to do. Otherwise, you make a sacrilegious Holy Communion, which would be a mortal sin if you knew that. And now you know that. So you, you have no excuse. Um But that anchor point of making a good devotional confession, even if you're not in a state of mortal sin once a month, is such a beautiful thing for us. So let's follow. You know, it's like when mom says, I need you to do this. It's not so much just because mom wants us to do it, but because she also knows it's good for you. When she said, eat your vegetables, it wasn't because your mother had stock in the vegetable company. Maybe she did. I don't know. But she knew that eating your vegetables would be good for you. So when the Blessed Mother says, pray your rosary, follow the first Saturday devotions, It is because she knows it's good for you to pray the rosary each and every day. Also, this uh, weekend, you know, in in addition to all of the spiritual things we've talked about, we are, many of us, celebrating the birth of our nation, the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776, and uh, where some remarkable words were said. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It had never been said before, and yet our founding fathers said that on this day almost 250 years ago. Not quite. It's, what, 246, 246 years ago. So uh, that's something we'll be celebrating. Before we can get to all of that, we need to know how our uh, weather's going to be, for the weekend. So let's go to Mike Roberts for the Saint of the Day, and then we come back. Um, we'll take a little break. It's, it's for the July weekend, so I think we'll have a little patriotic music today, too. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Mike Downey from Sarah, USA.
1: Today is the feast day of St. Junipero Serra, Born on the Spanish island of Mallorca in 1713, his baptismal name was Miguel. By the time he was seven, Miguel was helping his parents on the farm and attending school at the Franciscan friary near his home. At 17, he joined the Franciscans and took the name Junipero, who was the brother of St. Francis of Assisi. For the next 18 years, Junipero's life was centered at the school as a student and then teacher, and along the way he also became an outstanding preacher. But in his mid-30s, Junipero responded to a call he'd heard for many years, and he went west to the New World. His ship landed at Veracruz, and he and a friend began a long 250-mile walk to Mexico City. However, his leg became infected after an insect bite, and this infection would be a problem for him for the rest of his life. For most of the next two decades, Junipero worked in Mexico City and on the Baja Peninsula, eventually becoming president of all of the Franciscan missions. Because of Spanish concerns that other nations were advancing on the west coast of North America, an expedition led by Junipero and Jose de Galvez moved north, establishing new missions in San Diego, Carmel, Monterey, San Luis Obispo, and more. Junipero spent many nights awake in prayer after full days of exhaustive work. Through his efforts, more than 6,000 were baptized and 5,000 confirmed. He died in Carmel in 1784 and was canonized by Pope Francis in 2015. St. Junipero, Sarah, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day
0: saint of the day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player search covenant network to see all our podcasts we are back and one of my favorite things about today is not only is it the start of the month of july which i have to admit of all the secular holidays and civic holidays july is one of my favorite months because i love fireworks and this weekend there will be no shortage of fireworks but before we get to the fun of independence day we need to talk about today because today, July 1st, is the feast of one of my favorite saints, Saint Junipero Sarah. Let's just say I'm not shy about the fact that I'm a member of the Sarah Club of St. Louis, working to promote vocations here in our area. And it's an honor to talk about vocations and do that work. But what is the Sarah Club and who was Saint Junipero Sarah? Well, I can think of no one better to speak with this morning to help us get to these answers then Mike Downey, who is the president of the U.S. Consul of uh, Sarah Club. And to give you some perspective on this, why do we say U.S. Consul? Because there are actually 10 consuls worldwide as part of Sarah International. So, Mike, it's so good to have you with us this morning. Thank you. I have done a poor job of giving the short biography of St. Junipero Sarah. Who was the saint that we're celebrating today?
2: You know, St. Junipero Serra is pretty significant, not only religiously, but politically. He was a Franciscan priest who came in the 1700s from Spain, after establishing a great career there as a professor of theology and uh, philosophy, felt the call to missionary work, and went to the New World. He initially started with missions in Mexico. But he's most famous for his development of missions in California. And he is considered to be a founder of California, and actually his statute stands in the Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C., as one of the founders of the nation. So it was his work that not only established the Catholic Church in California, but it also established California as an American territory. At the time, it was being uh, hotly contested by the Russians. So St. Sarah did some tremendous work. He's one of the few people that was able to start missions and keep them going to establish the claim that first the Mexicans had on California and then later when they ceded that to the United States.
0: Well, so as we talk about the founding of our nation, it actually does coincide really well with today's Feast of St. Junipero, Sarah, who we have to consider one of the founders of California. So then fast forward, you know, now we're talking about Sarah International, Sarah USA, our local Sarah clubs. How did St. Junipero, Sarah, become associated with vocations and with this work that Sarah does?
2: Well, there were a group of four, just four uh, lay Catholics in Seattle, Washington, In 1935, that formed the Sarah Club, and they decided to make their patron Sarah because of his persistence and everything that he did and his success. So those four started the club, and then it spread widely, and by 1951, a really significant event occurred. Sarah was so large in the U.S. that it became an official aggregate of the Vatican, of the worldwide Catholic Church. We, In fact, we are the only lay Catholic apostolate in the Catholic Church that is officially aggregated to the Vatican. And what that means is oh, we're under the authority and structure of the Vatican. Oh, wow. So at all times, we have a cardinal who is appointed as overseer and advisor. Our current cardinal is uh, Cardinal Tom Collins from Toronto, Canada. Because of that, our structure is not by parishes, which is typical in the Catholic Church, but it's by diocese. There are geographic areas within diocese that Sarah clubs are organized by, and there are about two hundred Sarah clubs in the United States and about seventy-five hundred serens in the U.S. There are about fourteen thousand serens in the worldwide Sarah organization.
0: Wow! So what you're saying is, unlike the, our, our conferences of Saint Vincent de Paul, which usually are organized by parish and then part of a larger regional effort, part of a national effort, and, and even international. Sarah Club's a little different from that. So we've talked a little bit about the who St. Unipero Sarah was. We've talked a little bit about the what Sarah USA is. But we need to talk about the work, because really at the end of the day, as our listeners, you are trying to go out there and live a life of holiness. You're saying, all right, this is all well and good, Adam. This is well and good, Mike. But what does this have to do with me. And Mike, I think that's really where the rubber meets the road for our listeners, is that this work of supporting vocations and promoting vocations isn't something that just falls to the diocesan vocation director or the priests, but this is something that we are all able to be part of.
2: Yeah, that's a really good observation there, Adam. Sarah's mission is threefold. First, to foster new priesthood and religious vocations, Second, to affirm and support existing priesthood and religious vocations. And third, by doing so, to increase our own holiness. So we do things that support the existing priests, but also a major effort on our part is to pray for the future priests of the Catholic Church and the sisters, too. It's a unique challenge that only the Sarah organization has. There are other really good organizations, like the Knights of Columbus do a lot of great work for vocations, and i got to give them a lot of credit. But we're the only ones that are sort of uniquely challenged with the idea of fostering new vocations, supporting existing vocations, and then increasing our own holiness. So,
0: Well, let's talk about that for a second, because that coincides in line with the mission of our show here, Roadmap to Heaven. If there were a tagline, it would be growing in holiness every day. The first two things make sense. Foster new vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Of course, God does the calling. We just kind of help support them along the way. But then also supporting the the existing vocations to the priesthood and the religious life, that makes sense. But I wonder if we could wrap up here by talking about this. How does that increase our own holiness then, whether we're members of Sarah Club or we're just out there doing the good work of promoting and supporting vocations?
2: Well, I think it comes down to the fact that we're prayer-based primarily. You know, we pray for new vocations, we pray for the existing vocations, and those things are key to increasing our own holiness. But I think that the real key there is, it is the things we do. What Sarah's a little different for is that we have our Episcopal Advisor, Cardinal Tom Collins, He gave a talk once to Sarah, and he said that action follows prayer. And what he was saying is that prayer is the foundation of everything we do, but good prayer important prayer, and especially prayers for vocations, call us to some level of action to make that happen. And so what Sarah does is we provide the prayers, but we also provide the actions to make those prayers come to fruition. So for example, in supporting and affirming existing vocations, we do a lot of events to try and show appreciation to the priests, the sisters, the bishops and the seminarians. And we do that in a really organized way that helps those groups know that there's strong Catholic lay support for the work that they do. The fostering of vocations is a little bit different in the sense when you affirm priests, that's the easy part of Sarah. Everybody kind of enjoys that, and we get immediate feedback. The fostering of future priesthood and religious vocations is a little different because there isn't a lot of feedback. You know, we may do a lot of rosaries, a lot of masses, a lot of hours in adoration for future vocations, but we may never see the fruits of those for, you know, a year, a decade, or even ever. And so we have to kind of rely on the fact that by faith that those things are going to result in more vocations. And we know that's true because Jesus said in the gospel pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send us more laborers for the harvest. And so all the things that we do, we may never know exactly where or when or how those are gonna result in vocations, but we know they do by faith. And again, that faith is what builds each of the Sarens, I think, especially. I think that this idea of prayer and faith combined makes it kind of a unique organization in terms of believing that what we're doing is going to accomplish things in the future we may never know about.
0: Mike, I think that is a wonderful overview for us. Well, Mike, this has been a wonderful overview for us of the work that Sarah USA and Sarah International and our local Sarah clubs do. Before we let you go, I, I do have to ask if our listeners want to find out more information on whether or not there is a Sarah club in their area or how to start one if there's not a current Sarah club in their area, where can they go?
2: Okay, there's a website called aboutsarah, all one word, .org. It has a a video on it that's about one minute long, and that gives you some information about Sarah. And if you want, you can input your name and your zip code address, and that will go into our Chicago office, and that'll get forwarded to whatever region there might be a club for you there. So aboutsarah.org is probably the best way to find out about Sarah and to find out if there's a club in your area.
0: All right, that's aboutsarah.org, and Sarah is S-E-R-R-A, just in case I had to get Correct. that one right a few times before I passed the test. Well, Mike, I think a great way to conclude our time together would be to pray our Sarah in Prayer for Vocations, and I wonder if you would lead us in that.
2: I would. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live... Grant, we beseech you, through the intercession of Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, St. Joseph, her spouse, St. Unipero Sarah, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your Church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume them souls themselves for souls. To the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the
0: Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mike Downey, thank you so much for being with us today on Roadmap to Heaven. Friends, we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere.
3: A prayer for our country. Almighty God, bless our nation and make it true to the ideas of freedom and justice and brotherhood for all who make it great. Guard us from war, from fire and wind, from compromise, fear, and confusion. Be close to our president and our statesmen. Give them vision and courage as they ponder decisions affecting peace and the future of the world. Make me more deeply aware of my heritage, realizing not only my rights, but also my duties and responsibilities as a citizen. Make this great land and all its people know clearly your will, that they may fulfill the destiny ordained for us in the salvation of nations and the restoring of all things in Christ. Amen.
2: Around your phone more than your radio? Download the Covenant Net app on iOS and Android.
0: Once upon a time, I was at a liturgical conference and one of the presenters was giving a talk. And in the talk, there was a question about, well, how do we catechize people to know what this is all about um, so that they can do this? And the Reverend Monsignor, who was giving the talk, made the remark, sometimes the catechesis is in the doing. And that's something that stuck with me for nearly... Fifteen years now. Sometimes the catechesis is in the doing. And what does that mean? And that's something I thought of this morning as we prayed our first Friday prayers. There are a lot of beautiful things we say in that first Friday prayer. And as we pray them, if we really study them, if we really read them, the prayer not only instructs or not only says what we hope to express, but also instructs us on what we need to do to make an act of reparation. Well, this is not limited to the first Friday prayer that we prayed this morning. Oftentimes, you'll hear us say, please pray for the nation and please pray for our country. But what does that mean? Well, I'd like to share with you this prayer from Archbishop John Carroll for the 1791 inauguration of President George Washington. We pray O all mighty and eternal god who through jesus christ has revealed thy glory to all nations to preserve the works of your mercy that your church being spread through the whole world may continue with unchanging faith in the confession of your name we pray thee who alone are good and holy to endow with heavenly knowledge sincere zeal and sanctity of life our chief bishop the pope the vicar of our lord jesus christ in the government of his church our own bishop, and all other bishops, prelates, and pastors of the church, and especially those who are appointed to exercise among us the functions of the holy ministry and conduct your people into the ways of salvation. We pray, O God of might, wisdom, and justice, through whom authority is rightly administered, laws are enacted, and judgment decreed, assist with your Holy Spirit of counsel and fortitude, the President of these United States, that his administration may be conducted in righteousness and be eminently useful to your people over whom he presides, by encouraging due respect for virtue and religion, by a faithful execution of the laws and justice and mercy, and by restraining vice and immorality. Let the light of your divine wisdom direct the deliberations of Congress and shine forth in all the proceedings and laws framed for our rule and government so that they may tend to the preservation of peace, the promotion of national happiness, the increase of industry, sobriety, and useful knowledge, and may perpetuate to us the blessing of equal liberty. We pray for His Excellency, the governor of this state, for the members of the assembly, for all judges, magistrates, and other officers who are appointed to guard our political welfare, that they may be enabled by your powerful protection to discharge the duties of their respective stations with honesty and ability. We recommend likewise to your unbounded mercy, all our brethren and fellow citizens throughout the United States, that they may be blessed in the knowledge and sanctified in the observance of your most holy law that they may be preserved in union and and in that peace which the world cannot give, and after enjoying the blessings of this life, be admitted to those which are eternal. Finally, we pray to you, O Lord of mercy, to remember the souls of your servants departed who are gone before us with the sign of faith and repose in the sleep of peace, the souls of our parents, relatives, and friends, of those who, when living, were members of this congregation, and particularly of such as are lately deceased, of all benefactors who... By their donations or legacies to this church, witness their zeal for the decency of divine worship and prove their claim to our grateful and charitable remembrance. To these, O Lord, and to all that rest in Christ, grant we beseech you a place of refreshment, light, and everlasting peace through the same Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some would say, Adam, that prayer is a little old-fashioned, and times have certainly changed since Archbishop Carroll wrote that in 1791. But I think every one of those intentions is still a good intention for us to pray with. So if you're looking for a prayer this weekend, just go online and search the prayer of Archbishop John Carroll for the inauguration of President George Washington. We're going to go and uh, take another break here. When we come back, we'll have the weather and the daily dose of encouragement for you. Here we are together on this Friday, ready for our final daily dose of encouragement on the theme of unity. Patty, how are we gonna unify everything and wrap up the week?
4: Well, we're talking about unity. I've talked about unity in the church, talked about unity within our family relationships. Today I want to talk about unity of life. This is an expression that really goes to each one of us as an individual. Unity of life is where our actions, our habits, beliefs, entertainment, work, leisure, all are in union with our Catholic faith. And this is a challenge because we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us in prayer If there are any areas in our life where there is disunity, For example, if we say we're Catholic, but we take the Lord's name in vain, well, then that habit is not consistent with our faith. Or if we say we're Catholic, but we miss mass on Sunday, or we're watching movies, our entertainment promotes an immoral lifestyle, or maybe even makes fun of what we hold sacred as a Catholic, then that's not our unity of life. There can be many, many areas where we're just inconsistent. For me in my own life, the biggest area back in 2002 was when I wanted unity in my marriage and I wanted to say I was Catholic. But I didn't want to follow the church's teachings on sex and marriage. That was inconsistency. That was duplicity in my life. I had my feet in two different camps. One was in the church and one was out of the church. So if we want to really have unity of life, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to just show us, maybe just shine light on those dark areas, shine light on darkness, shine light on those areas where we're inconsistent with our Catholic faith. And, and the fruit of doing that, if we can bring everything in union with Christ and his church, is that we will have peace and we'll have unity within our whole heart and soul. But first, we do have to address those areas that just don't line up with our Catholic faith. It's a challenge, but I ask you to take that to prayer so that we can have that unity of life.
0: Not to be too cliche, but we've heard it said, a house divided will not stand. And if we are divided, we won't be able to stand either. Patty, this is a very important reminder for us today. And I want to thank you for this week of Daily Doses of Encouragement on the theme of unity. Friends, don't forget, you can hear all of these and more by visiting ourcatholicradio.org and clicking on the program's link where you'll find the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast. We do have a catequiz for you today. We've been talking on the show about the founding of our nation, praying for our nation, so on and so forth. So here's our catequiz question. It's very simple. What was Which of the following, and, and note the wording there, which of the following was the earliest Catholic settlement in what is now the United States of America? Was it the Spanish Missions of California, the St. Mary's Settlement in, Mar- in the Maryland Colony? The St. Louis uh, settlement in the French Territory or New Orleans in the French Territory? Well, here's the answer. It was the St. Mary's settlement in Maryland. In fact, uh, before Baltimore became the really the seat of Catholicism in the United States, there was the capital of Maryland, then St. Mary's City, Maryland. Um, St. Mary's was settled by the English in 1634. The French came to St. Louis in New Orleans in 1718, 1764, and then, of course, the California missions 1769 through 1833. Now here's another interesting tidbit for you. The first archbishop in the United States for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, was, of course, Archbishop John Carroll. But did you know that his brother, Daniel Carroll, is one of only five of our founding fathers who was a signatory on both the Articles of Confederation and the Constitution of the United States? For those of you students of history, the Articles of Confederation uh, predate the Constitution. Those were the, the laws of the land, the rules for our governing until the Constitution was written. And then even before that, their cousin, Charles Carroll of Carrollton, Uh, he is the only, he was, he's dead now, he was the only Catholic signatory on the Declaration of Independence. And so, uh, you know, you could say it's all in the family, I suppose. But We are going to pause here for station identification when we come back. We're going to be looking at tomorrow's first Saturday devotion by giving some attention to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. Father Zach Eggers in studio with us. And we were just talking during the break about some of our favorite patriotic songs and who recorded them. So more on that later, maybe. We have some work to get to here, Father. It's July 1st. We've been talking about St. Junipero Serra this morning. But we also made mention of the fact that it is a holiday weekend, and I don't know about outside your rectory, but I've been hearing fireworks in my neighborhood for at least the past week, two weeks, three weeks. That's the city of St. Louis. Probably since last 4th of July, the fireworks have been going off. In
3: Quincy, we have a very active neighborhood around St. Rose. I didn't set the over-under this. Sure enough, it was the first day of summer, first night about 11 o'clock. I'm like, oh, that's not a gunshot. That's (laughs) That's a a firework." firework. Yep. And I was like, look at that that's great. Here's
0: summer. I I didn't know you all played that game in Quincy, but it's probably a completely different setup of that game. Anyway, every year at 4th of July, I always hear one person, Johnny Naysayer, as I like to call him, Mm -hmm. uh, say, you know, it's wrong that that we have mass for 4th of July and that us Catholics celebrate 4th of July and Independence Day with so much vigor and, and joy because we're Catholic first. We're not Americans first. We're Catholics first. And Sometimes I don't know how to respond to that. So I thought, listen, Father Zach Edgar, he's from the Diocese of Springfield. Their cathedral is so close to where Abraham Lincoln's museum is. I mean, if we're talking not founding fathers, but giants of the country, Lincoln's certainly one of them. So if there's anybody that would know, how do we do this? Are we American? Are we Catholic? Are we both? It's Father Zach Edgar. So where do we begin
3: I appreciate that high billing. We'll see if we can live up to it or not. But the Catholic Church in general, it's always both and, right? So we want to do both well. We want God to be in the middle of the mess, right? So And uh, we're great at making a mess in all the countries of the world, and we're no exception here. I think it's really beautiful if we want to like combine the kind of the liturgical question because I think that's I think there's a maybe a fair, criticism of like the formulary that's in the missile for the fourth of july i've never personally used that one i like to pray for since there is such a division in our country i do the vote of mass for our oppressors uh, out of the missile on fourth of july because we're uh, we could also do the vote of mass for charity you could do all kinds of things of course it's the month of the precious blood and that's incredibly powerful piece of spiritual warfare the month of july to do a vote of mass of the precious blood anytime there's an open day on the the calendar, but we want to put the Lord in the in the middle of it. I was mentioned to you earlier, to get more at the question that you asked, uh, in our cathedral, when it was built in uh, the late 1920s, of course, that was a huge time in America's history of anti-Catholic sentiment, and uh, Bishop Griffin, when he was named the first bishop in Springfield, and uh, next year, as I'm sure Bishop Paprocki has already mentioned to you, and as we'll highlight over these next uh, 16 months, you know, we'll celebrate the 100th anniversary of the translation of the sea from Alton to Springfield next October. And when we had our new cathedral built, it was built in a style that was, I would say, unique in trying to mix uh, American architecture with what we have to offer in the church. There's all kinds of different things going on there, but the most profoundly unique things are two stained glass windows, one which has an image of the American Revolution where George Washington is seen talking to uh, Archbishop John Carroll during the Revolutionary War, and another window where Lincoln is talking to Archbishop Hughes of New York to beg Pius IX not to side with the Confederacy. And also, as uh, you may have heard about Bishop Griffin, there is a little image of, we think, of Bishop Griffin's face as like the page of Archbishop Carroll in one of those windows where you put yourself in the picture. That's your own little signature, whatever. But Bishop Griffin... Above all else, wanted to prove at that juncture in history, you can be Catholic, you can be American. and these things are not at odds, but we know who has to be first. And I think scripturally the best place to go. I just mentioned to you off air that Al Cresta had a great show on this earlier this week on the 28th, and they were talking about the scripture passage of you know unless you hate your father and mother and all these other things, you cannot be my disciple. and of course, our Lord's not telling us to hate our family. But by comparison, we're saying we've got to love the Lord with everything that we are. And everything else is secondary, including the country that we come from. We can be proud of our heritage. We can be proud of our family. We can love our family. We can love our heritage and the place that we're from. But
0: we have to be God's servants first. Now you're taking me back to a few weeks ago, St. Thomas More and John Fisher. And I think of that great line at the end of the movie, A Man for All Seasons. Mm -hmm. I die the king's humble servant but God's first. And I I learned actually from Father uh, Eddie Volz in a homily that he gave that day for our, speaking of Sarah Club on the show earlier, we had our new member installation mass, and he was talking about St. John Fisher, who essentially said the same thing, that that I love my country, but I I love God first. Now, that was England. That's maybe a sore subject uh, on these days that we celebrate our independence from the realm, as it were. But that's the same calling for us then. We can have the hot dogs and light the sparklers and fireworks pending the legality of our jurisdiction, Mm -hmm. put on our red, white, and blue, and and have a good old time celebrating Independence Day. But first and foremost, we are God's children and he's at the center of all of it. Let me put it to you this way. As a chaplain
3: at the Veterans Home, I've had an opportunity to lay many of these faithful men and women to rest. And uh, I almost always use the reading, oh, it's from one of the epistles of John, and it talks about, let us lay down our lives for our brothers. That's the charity of the cross. The same charity that my grandfather was a POW for 11 months in World War II. My other grandfather served in Korea. The same thing they were willing to do for our country in laying down their lives. That doesn't just come from within us. That has to come from the Lord. And that's his example to us. He's willing to lay down everything for us. That's charity. That's love of neighbor. And we always want to have that in the first place. So and we always want to be willing to set aside ourselves for the other. That is something to celebrate.
0: Yeah, now I think back to the the founding of our nation and this is one of those times that I'm going to start nerding out and especially now that my son's about the age that I was when I loved going down to the old courthouse and hearing the the reading of the Gettysburg Address or the oh, reading cool. of the Declaration of Independence and I don't even know if they're doing that this year, but I know that we're going to get online, we're going to be doing some things and going through some things and he's going to have a grand old time. But as I do that, I go back to our declaration of independence. And something very, very important in that, that I think we have lost sight of as a country, that we have these inalienable rights. Everybody wants to talk about their right. I have a right to this, a right to that. So a lot of the time we disagree on whether or not we have a right to it. But what we lose sight of are those rights that we have, the inalienable rights that they name life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And before we're, that, the hopefully the
3: ability to obey the natural law, right? Yeah, so it's right. within us to know the difference between good and evil. Exactly.
0: Right? But where do those rights come from? Not from in us. No, from our Creator. And uh, that's something that I think at the the heart of all of our barbecues and whatnot. Maybe start the day going to Mass and start the day in prayer. And certainly, you know, sometimes people say, well, should we really pray for our country? And I, I, I... tend to think, yes, we should, since we live here and we went to live in a just country where God's law is observed.
3: For ours and for the whole world, for sure. Yeah. As we just did in the Divine Mercy Chaplain.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Father, we are up against the clock here. I know you've got to get going. I, I wonder maybe one single point we haven't talked about. Is there anything else we want to mention for our listeners as we go forth into this holiday weekend?
3: I think the main thing not to take for granted is just the gift of life itself, you know, and we've... Praise God, had an ability where the natural moral law and civil law have kind of come a little closer back together with the, the Dobbs decision recently. We've got a lot of work to do in a lot of our states still when it comes to the dignity of human life at all its stages, but just the gift that God has given us every day uh, to take our next breath, to be with our loved ones, to be able to worship him, uh, to be able to thank him, and uh, to just to see our blessings for what they are, because I think we complain too much about the quote-unquote first world problems there are things that need to be addressed in our society we're not just going to gloss over those but as far as how much we get divisive towards one another you know there are so many things that we ought to be grateful for that we let slip through nearly every day and just taking it back to square one being grateful for life being grateful for all the people who have fought to defend that freedom of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness as given to us by God, those are things that we ought to be grateful for.
0: What a great reminder for us, especially me, who every now and then when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, ah, they only have the bottled tea that's either sweet with lemon or without lemon, and I want unsweet tea with lemon, and they don't have it. First world problems here.
3: I will play my tiny violin for you.
0: Yeah. Well, Father, how about instead of a tiny violin, you lead us in prayer before we go to the break?
3: Let us entrust this all to Our Lady under her title of the Immaculate Conception Patroness of our country as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen.
0: Well, Father Zach Edgar, always a treat to have you with us. I'm glad you could come by the studio for this holiday weekend, although you're welcome anytime by phone. Friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Well, as we close out today's show, I know those of you listening on the radio are saying, Adam, come on, my speakers are now oozing red, white, and blue from all the music you've been playing today. And that's true. That's, that's fair. Those of you listening on the podcast, you have to go and find your own patriotic music because our licensing agreements don't allow us to put the music in the podcast. But, um, you know, here's the thing. For as long as I can remember, ever since I was a little kid, and and I mentioned this uh, with Father Edgar just now, we would go down to the celebrations in downtown St. Louis, and, you know, the bands were great, the air show, wonderful, the fireworks, absolutely always fantastic, but at some point in my childhood, I went into the rotunda of the old courthouse just to cool off, it was air conditioned, it was a hot summer day in St. Louis, and while I was there, they, were, they had an actor dressed as Abraham Lincoln reading the Gettysburg Address. And they were, you know, it, it caught my attention. And that was when my love for our American history really started to blossom. And all throughout high school, my favorite courses were not world history, but American history, and even into college. And it's something that I still enjoy to this day. And I spend a lot of time thinking about that. Why? Is it nostalgia? Is it, you know blind, just uh, celebration. No, I, I think that honestly, when you look at the course of human history and you look at everything that, you know, we have accomplished through the grace of God in the last two millennia, it's a very unique place we live in, um, where the nation was founded based on our Judeo-Christian beliefs in a system of government that's never been tried before and had never been tried before this. And uh, some didn't think it would last 10 years, and here we are almost 250 years later. Not to say that we don't have our problems and we don't have our concerns, and that's anywhere, but I think, friends, that the more you and I strive to live a life of holiness, the more that you and I strive to live out our faith in the public square, especially as we heard earlier on the show about religious freedom— Um, the better off we'll be, not just you and I individually, but as local communities, as states, as nations. And, you know, it's very easy to look around and see some of the very concerning things in our society today, not just limited to our communities, towns, states, country even, throughout the world. Some of the, the very grave concerns we have about culture and society in general and to say, well, there's nothing I can do about that, so I'm just going to hunker down here in my my house and, um, you know, as for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's all uh, true, but that's only going to extend as far as these four walls. When really, no, it's a calling for us to go out and boldly proclaim our faith to the whole world, not just with our words, but also with our actions to live in such a way that um, people will look at us and say, there's something different about you, and I want to know what it is, and— I think we have an amazing opportunity. Now, uh, our celebrations of freedom will come and go this weekend, and then we'll be kind of back to the routine next week. But let's enjoy it. So enjoy a hot dog, enjoy some fireworks, but pray, pray, pray for our country. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. I want to thank Mike Downey and Father Zach Edgar for coming on the show. I want to thank the Franciscan Friars and Father Ripperger for allowing us to share their words. For those of you listening on the podcast, uh, be sure to click like and subscribe and share this with some friends. Join us next week. Roadmap to Heaven goes back to every weekday starting Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. And Dr. Scott Hahn is going to be with us for three days next week. You won't want to miss it. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.